Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Life Mastery Podcast, where we tackle the subjects of health, wealth, wisdom, and spirituality. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis. We have a really deep, deep conversation with one of my dearest brothers, Michael Bledsoe. Michael Bledsoe is many things. He's a holistic health coach, a fitness trainer, and also a business coach for other health and fitness trainers. And this conversation goes incredibly deep into a lot of areas. One of the main things that we seek out and tackle headfirst is this topic of money. I mean, I have never equally heard a conversation, nor have I been part of a conversation that goes as deep from a psycho-spiritual, emotional intelligence, metaphysical, practical, and even relational perspective on the topic of money. Money is one of those things that we all have our own relationship to. Some of us have a better relationship to it than others. Some of us may feel that we have had wounding around money and that's something that we get really deep into we talk about this idea of a money wound of trauma around money and then that ended up opening up an entire rabbit hole where we start getting into the psychology the emotional trauma the developmental traumas and dysfunctions that we have developed from childhood from our parental figures how we were raised, the subconscious programs and stories that we have running on autopilot, running beneath the conscious surface of our mind. And I have to say that as I re-listen to this interview, and I think about everyone that's gonna listen to this, this is gonna be one of those conversations that you wanna go on a long walk with, or you wanna really create space for yourself to really drop into this because it is profound, it is healing, it's incredibly incredibly insightful and it may in fact trigger a set of transformational insights that not only can transform your relationship to money, but can transform your relationship to life itself. It is truly a profound conversation. I'm so excited for all of you to listen to it. Before we dive into this episode, I want to share two things, two incredible companies that are also actually parabonded together, Bio-Optimizers and Newtopia. These product companies are some of my favorite in the world, and two of my close brothers actually run these companies, Matt Gallant and Wade Lightheart, who are going to be on the show very soon. Get ready for those podcasts. Bio-Optimizers is a biological optimization supplement company, and I've been using these products for many years. They have incredible proteolytic enzymes and proteolytic probiotics, which I highly recommend that you consider checking out. Um, You can go to the website www.biooptimizers.com. I'm going to give you a discount code. They also have an incredible product called Magnesium Breakthrough. It's seven distinct types of magnesium that target every area that magnesium is uptaken in the body. So the nervous system, the brain, the digestion, our musculature to put us in more of a parasympathetic rest and relaxation state. 
And I, I've, you know, I've done all the magnesium supplements in the world. This is by far the best magnesium supplement to date, without question. And there's a lot of other incredible products that they produce as well. And uh, I'm an avid fan and also an ambassador for the company BioOptimizers. So again, www.biooptimizers.com. I'm going to have that link in the show notes. And the other company that I want to share with you is called Newtopia. Newtopia is their sister company. Both of these individuals run the, both companies. And this is by far the best nootropic brain optimization cognitive support set of products that exists in the world. And I know that because I have experimented and explored all the nootropic, all the brain supplements on the market. None of them even come close. Newtopia has literally been changing my life. It's been changing how I process energy, both mental and emotional. It's changed the way that I'm able to stay on tasks and focus. It's also changed the way that my dopamine and serotonin neurotransmitters function. So my mood regulation is able to stay at alert but calm. I don't get overstimulated. I don't get anxious. I don't get restless like a lot of caffeinated supplements tend to do for people. In fact, I'm trying to help people get off coffee altogether. And if you're trying to get off coffee and stimulants, then the Nootopia products are going to be perfect for you. And what's really great with both BioOptimizers and Nootopia is that they offer a lifetime money-back guarantee. So if you don't like the products, they didn't work for you for whatever reason, you can hit them up, no questions asked. They will give you a full refund on the products. I don't even think they ask for you to give the products back. That's how confident they are and that's how confident I am in recommending them and putting my name behind both of these product lines. And you're going to hear me talk about both of these quite a bit moving forward because I am so sold out on these and Matt and Wade are incredible experts and leaders in the field of supplementation. So Newtopia, www.newtopia, N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A.com. The discount code for both of those companies is Health Mastery. It's all one word, Health Mastery. And both of the links for those are going to be in the show notes below. And I'm excited for you to try those products out. They're going to be a great addition to your health optimization protocol. All right, without further ado, let's get into it with my brother, Mike Bledsoe. Good to go. Good to go. <clears throat> Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Life Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis. And today we have a really special episode. I'm here with a dear brother of mine, Michael Bledsoe. We're both here in Austin, Texas, and I have the pleasure of being in his recording studio slash office at his house. And we're on some really cool mics, which I'm really excited about. I've never seen these before. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll upgrade my setup when I get to it. Um, super inspired to be here with you, brother. And Thank you. A lot to dive into. Me and Mike have known each other for, I mean, I want to say at least 2000, late 2015, 2016, back from Encinitas, California, San Diego. 
And uh, I mean, we could go deep into that rabbit hole. I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I'm just that's a whole other show. Yeah, that's right. That's a whole other show. And that would that would likely be mostly entertainment purposes. 100. percent Yeah. 100. percent Yeah. And we and if you want to be more entertained, we actually did a podcast all those years ago um, that you can look up if you'd like. Uh, today's episode is going to be pretty focused on a few topics that. I really want to pick your brain about because you have a unique perspective on many different things, as anyone knows you. Um, and if anyone hasn't listened to The Bledsoe Show, highly recommend you do, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're a coach, um, you're in that world. Mike Bledsoe is is something of like an icon and leader in the CrossFit industry. This is like, this is like a lifetime ago, I'm explaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the way that I see you is, I just see you as a leader. First of all, like you, you embody that leadership quality and it's always been very inspiring for me, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, there's, there's a lot I could say about you. So I'll just, I'll kind of digress from there cause I can go on and on, but, uh, great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. The, the saying that I was an icon in that space, I think that's the first time I've ever even you know, been able to hear or accept that mm. because it's true. And I look back, I go, mm. oh, I was an icon in that space. And people still reach out to me that came from there and are like, okay. But I left it, pr- pr- like pretty much cut it away in 2018. And it's been an interesting, I, I know where you want, you know, we talked a little bit about where this show is going to go, but yeah. just the the uh, walking away from mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. having so much influence in one space and then rebuilding what right. feels like, you know, from scratch as far as building audiences and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and n- not feeling like because there I was the automatic expert in everyone's eyes all the time. Right. And then I step into another realm and I go, oh, I actually have to really prove myself. Mm. Like I, I spent a decade proving myself in the fitness world. Right. And now um, uh, I, I switch gears uh, and it's, uh, it's, a different, it's a different game. And so there's been a lot of humility that's come with that. And mm. a lot of things that I thought I had handled were not handled. And so uh, I, I bring that up because, you know, mm-hmm. you, you sing a lot of praises, but I also get a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. And it's yeah. been beautiful. I appreciate that. I mean, I personally appreciate that. And I think everyone listening to does too. And this is actually a really great place to start because the conversation we were having before we started recording was basically about humility. And you and I and many of our friends and colleagues, we all have felt like through the course of 2022 and then coming into the new year, uh, there has been a lot of humility. There's there's been a lot of bumps and bruises, to say the least, psychologically, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. Like so, whatever it feels like, whatever's had to be unwound and undone, has happened in our own unique experience. Or maybe it's been everything all at once, or one thing leading to another. And it feels like for me, it just feels like a rebirth. Like there's a, there's yeah. a rebirthing happening. So I'm curious for you when you say rebuilding, like. What has that process been like for you? Because I know for me, I'm in a rebuilding phase of myself personally, interpersonally, financially, all the things. So I'm curious, what what is that like for you? Yeah, so for about the last five years, uh, you, so that like my professional life and my personal life 
are actually a little different in that in my personal life, I was basically, um, I, I took my attention off professionalism, my professional life a bit and dumped most of my attention into my own personal, mm -hmm. into myself, into personal relationships. And I reconfigured all of that mm -hmm. and went through a divorce and, um, now I'm engaged, uh, to a, to a wonderful woman and, uh, it's very hard to build a business while, uh, going through that process. I heard so many stories of people like, oh, they went through a divorce and they had to downsize and change it. Dude, going down in your lifestyle, you know, you're used to making right. a certain amount of money and then, you know, half of that goes away. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's humbling. Yeah. But I, but I have done a good job of like rebuilding myself personally, but professionally it's um you know i i've done work that i do feel good about but it's uh it was kind of like like a so i moved from fitness to coaching people in health and fitness mm -hmm. uh coaches in health and fitness and it was like a continue it's like a it's like the thing to do uh -huh. in between the next thing mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. i the only reason i say that is because there's like like when I was uh, when I was working in uh, the CrossFit space, I I knew exactly what we were doing, how were we doing it, and all this, and there was no competition. I was doing something so unique that we were able to make a lot of mistakes for one and get away with it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That's one thing, and I've had to shore up a lot of those gaps in my my uh, business acumen. So I spent a lot of time doing that the last few years. Um, but also uh, what I've been doing in the coaching space is not incredibly unique, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When at face value, you go, oh, teaching coaches how to build their businesses. Right. Okay, right. there's like a million people doing that. Like every coach to figure it out business goes, well, I can make more money doing that. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, it was like, uh, I did it because it's, it's easy. Mm -hmm. And then over time it got more hard and because so many people were coming in mm -hmm. or, you know, we could make up a lot of reasons why. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and it's one of those things where like, you know, I'm not, it, it's not that unique and, and I do do it in a unique way. Right. I appeal to people who don't want to learn business from somebody else. I know how to make it. Um, not so fucking gross, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. like there's, you watch some people who are really good business mentors, but you start digging into some of the stuff that they say and you go, yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's a heart centered approach. Yeah. You, you apply like heart centeredness and soul and, and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily obvious at first glance, like you said, but like when you really get into it, I've been to multiple of your events and I know the community that that gravitates towards you. I've met some really, really close friends out of that community. And when you talk to people and when you experience what you do, it, it really is all about heart and soul. And it is about like emotional intelligence just as much as it is about financial intelligence. Yeah, thank you. And, um, and that, that's really difficult to communicate in a world where in marketing, the way marketing works is you really got to hit the person's pain point. Yeah. And when the person's pain point, no matter what their heart centered or not, is I don't I'm not making enough money, so I need help, the messaging all starts sounding the same. 
and putting that message out over and over again just is not it doesn't feel good either mm. you know i don't want to be talking about um you know uh, reminding people that they uh, aren't right. making enough money all right. the time right yes and and that's actually not the only thing i want to be teaching either but when you have that message and then people show up and that's the only thing they want from you and then it, it, then the heart center stuff actually starts getting lost mm-hmm. uh if you start leading with that people go well what about the money part and i'm like well it's all tied together and it's and um it's not always obvious uh to everybody mm-hmm. um but anyways um yeah so i haven't i i don't feel especially from like the outside looking in doing anything that's incredibly unique either so it's been uh business for me has been a little blah uh-huh, uh-huh. But my personal life has been doing amazing. <laughs> so now that my personal life is what I feel to be extremely squared away. Yeah. yeah. Best relationship I've ever been in. Mm, nice mm-hmm. community around me. Um, now going into business into a really unique, in a really unique way um, is is what's next for me. And there's a, a lot of different opportunities mm-hmm. ahead, but I'm looking forward to to doing that. What, what I'm hearing you describe, too, is that, well, first of all, if you're going to have one of the two in the dynamic that you have, your personal and professional life, you definitely got it right right now, where your personal life feels amazing. Like, you, it feels like you got that down. You're getting married to the, the, the love of your life, essentially, and I know her very well. She's one of the most amazing women that, that I know in this community, so congratulations to that. <laughs> like, you, you've, you. you've won the nailed game. Nailed it. You, you've nailed it. You absolutely yeah. have nailed it, right? So, like, so when you say, like, business is blah, it's like, okay, because you can, you can build and refine and improve and innovate on the business side, which I know that you are. Yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah, and that yeah. just speaks to, like, what I know of you, which is that you are heart centered and you, you are about, you, you want to put the soul into your work and you do. And so it's what it sounds like to me, what I'm getting from this is that you, in your transition process of being so focused on business, you, you shifted that and went all in on yourself yeah, and went all in on your own personal journey. Um, and then now it's just kind of, it's, it's manifesting in your reality so to speak yeah i'm integrating integrating yeah. that's the right word yeah integrating it feels like everything's snapping into place i also you know started a business with my fiance and so mm. uh we're business partners and in, in, in a project we're actually going to be business partners in a in two or three projects within the wow. next year so uh part of it is just like learning to not be like it, it, yeah, just reconfiguring how I do business to include this person. Uh. Um, and the the feeling I've got right now is I'm pretty good on my own. Like I can knock down some bucks. Yeah, I can make money. I can I can have fun. I can do in, in, innovative shit. Right. But when I do stuff with her, there's a synergy there. Mm. And mm-hmm. when we like, I I've had to like let go of what. Uh, I thought was a good idea and and jump in with opportunities that are presenting through her work mm-hmm. and really it, it, it's a it's interesting how much of like letting go of my own um, even like 
minimizing the amount of attention one business gets and putting it more the majority right. of my attention in a business we have together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's scary you sure know? sure yeah that 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 would be an interesting podcast in of itself just talking about like relational dynamics is i'm sure like there are some people listening to this who'd be really interested in that yeah, I used to be of the opinion of like don't get in business with your partner, with sure. your life partner. Mm-hmm. But now I'm I'm going, well, mm-hmm. in the right situation. The right it's a situation. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah, depend. It's it's an it depends. Right. But I'm all about it now. Well, I think I think men like you and I are are would gravitate towards that. I know for me that that's definitely the ideal setup. In fact, I can't imagine that not being the case. Mm. Like me in life partnership with a woman and just 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 all the relationships I've been in and just thinking about that timeline. And you obviously like if you're going to be in a life partnership with someone, you want to you want to really assess like, what do I really want? There's a lot of times like we go like almost good enough becomes good enough. And then we just settle. Yeah. For me, when I think of it, it's like, yeah, I would want we don't necessarily have to do that. But I would want to have the synergy. I would want to have the option to be able to do that if that if that emerged yeah yeah i I think about um uh relationships there's like uh in a romantic or in a like life partnership or if you're gonna marry somebody yeah you've got three different types of relationships inside of that one relationship to cultivate Mm. one is romantic which is obvious to people right one is life partnership like oh you know how are we handling things together if you're going to be parents all that Mm -hmm. um the home all that and then you have business partner because you are managing finances together. Like even if, oh, good point. Even if we good keep point. our businesses separate and our finances separate, you know, my situation is still going to impact. Say, say I make, you know, when we first met, I was making a lot more than her. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to do something, I was going to pay for her to do it. Right. Because she, I can't just like right. try to pressure her into doing something that she can't afford. Um, and the tables have actually turned. <laughs> so um it's actually been really cool that i i was making more money and then it's gone to a place where she's making more money mm. so we've both been on both sides of that coin yeah and that's also brought me a lot of humility i'm like okay, okay i'm gonna like she's like i want to do this i want to go travel to whatever i'm like right. I'm like you know what my financial situation right now i'm not sure that's a fucking good idea like, yeah like I should probably be at home and figuring out what's going on with the business. And, uh, but you know, we just traveled here, here and here, like, you know, mm-hmm, I, don't, mm-hmm. I know, you know, but the li- for the yeah. listeners, I mean, I, I've lived a life the last decade where I'm traveling most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, so even thinking of, well, I can't be gone most of the time for a few months while I, you know, figure out what's going on with the right. business. And then, and then having her like, no, we're going to Brazil anyway, and and I've got it. I'm like, okay, like, oh, cool, okay. But that like, that was that was difficult for me right. to accept, right? Yeah, you know? right. And and healing. Last question on relationships. So, this three prong model, which I mean, it, it's obvious to me, and I, I know I know that I've never heard that framework delivered in that way. So I'm curious, like, what's based on your own experience? Do you feel like that's something that naturally organically just is there with two people or is that something that maybe two of those three are there and then the third one might not be in that they can they 
I mean, obviously it takes two to tango. So both people have to want to actually cultivate that and create that. But do you, with you and your partner, I guess, were those three things already kind of like there or was there? No. Th- okay. No, no. I, you know, I, I think that the longer any two people are together, the more they're going to be needing all three of those things from that person. For sure. Um, like there's no getting around life partnership and, and business partnership. Romance because, is easy. Like even if you're not doing the business partnership, you're just doing it poorly. Like, you know, like you're just ignoring. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you're in a business partnership, but you're ignoring the fact that you've got a business partner. Um, and so uh, in the romantic, you know, I think that if, if romance is missing, someone's going to bring it up. Uh, but I don't think all three of them grow simultaneously. Like, you know, we've been in a period where the business was growing together. Mm. The business partnership was really going but the romantic relationship kind of sort of fell, fell okay. by the wayside it was like and so like the the pieces move around on you know what's getting the most so the attention. romantic the romantic relationship wasn't just always there because i know you two you two are like from what i've seen i haven't seen you in like seven or eight months so that's that's a significant <laughs> amount of time but like from what i've seen at least on the onset i've seen that dynamic so beautifully like harmonized between you two so you're saying that in in the in the journey that 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 hasn't always been the case. I mean, there's always been romance, sure. but it wasn't. It, it's it it goes it comes in waves. Sure. So if we're right. like in super business mode, for instance, we're in super business mode. We crawl into bed and we're still talking about business before bed. That kills romance, yeah. right? So yeah. n- now we have a rule. You know, not none of that in bed. But there's, you know, ideally you'd be slowly evolving all three at the same time. Mm-hmm. But when, mm-hmm. when things are coming up in life and one des- deserves more attention, you give it to it. Right. You know, she gets pregnant, the romance probably goes down and the life partnership focus comes up, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, this is all commonsensical, but in our day and age, common sense ain't so common as my <laughs> grandmother would say. And, uh, and, and so Accurate. these, these are things that, that are worth re-mentioning because these are dynamics. These are plates that we all spin in our life, whether it's in relationship or it's our relationship to ourself and the, the dimensions of our life that we have to, we have to balance. And if you overcompensate on one, then there's others that fall by the wayside. Yeah. Somebody's going to complain. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. <clears throat> so thanks for all that. One of the things I really wanted to get into with mm-hmm. you is this conversation on money. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about, first of all, what's your perspective on the idea of a money wound? <sighs> I, I, I think I, I don't tend to think about um, wounding that much. I, I'll even reference things like trauma. Uh, to make sense to other people. What, the way I like to view it myself is there's just things that I learned. Mm. There's a program running, right? And so we might call some a program that's a, a money wound that is causing us distress, right? So anything that, any pattern of behavior, any thought pattern, emotional pattern, or behavior pattern that exists um is either functional or dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And the way to discover if it's dysfunctional is if you don't like it. Uh, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, I, I, I desire this to be different. 
and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I can't make it different. Like you don't like I'm interrupt. You don't mean like you mean the the pattern or the habit itself or the result of it. Uh, the result. Mm-hmm. The result is not the pattern is not giving you the result that you're looking for. And a lot of times people are just trying to double down on the pattern in order to get a different result. I mean, that's that's usually that's 99 percent of the time. Yeah. Right. Because we're trying to solve say a money problem with the same thing we that got us there, right? It actually created the money problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's the so I just see patterns mm-hmm. that are that are running from programs. Um, you know, there's energetic patterns happening, uh, and then there's also uh mental patterns which are made up of words. You know, we'll get into the cognitive piece. And so and these things all work together. This emotional thing pops up and then you know, these certain phrases start running through your head and, mm-hmm. and now you're doing dumb stuff. But the, you know, if you're not getting a result in any area of your life, so if you're not, if you're not getting the result about money that you really want, then that you, there's a dysfunctional pattern at play. Mm-hmm. And I like pattern because I, I think the wound carries like, like there's something wrong. Right. Like you're broken. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, the program's working perfectly. Mm. the program mm. you have works perfectly to get you the result that you're getting. Right. So the, we just got to change the pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to pick up a new one. The The issue is, is, uh, the pattern you've been operating with, there's a lot of, uh, duration. There's a lot of time spent mm-hmm. in that pattern and it's ingrained yeah. really, really deep. And, um, and, uh, so we need to we need to change that mm-hmm. that pattern. So in order to do that, we really gotta we gotta figure out what's happening energetically. We gotta figure out what's happening mentally. We gotta figure out how this ties into the physical body, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and un, in order to unwind it. it. That's and that's the right word. It is an unwinding process. And when you explain that, I really I really saw it from the lens of like the work I do with addiction, for example. Like when it, when people have addictive compulsive patterning towards external mechanisms that give them like a dopamine release and they have a codependent relationship with something outside of them their brain has developed what's called a neuroassociative pattern so their brain associates the outside mechanism as the solution to the discomfort the tension the the drop in dopamine lean to depression whatever it is as a solution so the cigarette, the cannabis, the porn, the whatever. And so that's kind of how I saw from the from the the lens of money cuz I'm looking at my own upbringing. I'm looking at the the functional dysfunctional upbringing I had mm-hmm. with my family, not never having a father, growing up in a broken home, growing up with like a dysfunctional mother. Love her dearly, but but there were some there were some Thing, there were some some patterns, hoarding, money issues, just mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And so that's been challenging for me to look back on and and, and try to figure out like, okay, where, where not only where do I start with this, but how do I address this? Because clearly there are very practical habits, patterns, money, spending, saving, making money, keeping money. There, there's that. But then there's like, there's emotional stuff there too. And trying to track, like, okay, what leads to what? What do I focus on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, if you're trying to track down the pattern... You're always going to find it. No, no, no. You're in a trap. 
uh-huh. the trap is looking for the pattern um in and and going um mm-hmm. uh, like people want to pinpoint why it is the way it is and the truth is it doesn't matter why it is it just is it's kind of like uh when people asked uh when the whole COVID thing happened, you know, why do you think this is happening? Or, you know, what, what, what has led to this? Right. And this is in the beginning. And I, mm-hmm. and I go, I thought about it for a day or two and I go, everything, mm-hmm. everything sure, led to sure, this. Sure. Sure. Right. Like every single thing that's ever happened on the planet has contributed to this, this moment. Mm. And can I dissect that? No. And when you're born, like we would have to figure out your your uh, your psychoemotional patterns, right? Mm-hmm. So every single person is built differently. Like the thing that you and I have in common, aside from like biological similarities, is going to be uh, the fact that we speak English, right? But that's kind of where it stops mm. because you learned. So we'll talk about cognitive patterns or mental patterns real quick. Um, and it's always interesting to me, like one of the smartest guys I know speaks several languages and he can see things from different perspectives now, and he learned them in childhood. So, um, as you're developing and you're learning words in, in specific, there's not a specific order. If we all learn the words and we were taught the meaning of those words in the same order, then we would have the same patterns, mm-hmm, but we don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I'm picking up on words at a different rate because my parents are talking about different things than your parents were talking about. And I, not only that, I mean, I think we've all experienced this is we thought a word meant one thing. Mm-hmm. And then one day you, you realize that it actually doesn't mean that it means this over here. Yeah. And you know, I remember that happening when I was like between the ages of probably seven and 20. Like they just had this like assumption that this word meant this thing and the, mm-hmm. only to find out someone points it out or I, I, I hear it used in a context that no longer makes sense. And I decide I'm going to go look it up. I go, huh? So it, it, it's not so much, you know, the, the, our cognition is like made up of language and words and, th- you know, these form yeah. our thoughts, but even the meaning we put into each one of those mm-hmm. words could be different. We could be using the same word and the amount of, meaning that comes on that is that and then the uh energy the emotion that's attached to that word the yeah. meaning of the word yeah. that is put in the middle of this phrase that's forming this thought and now we have this attachment and so i remember thinking about how i used to think okay i thought about like my mental space is this beautiful spider web and if i pull on mm. one part of the web it was going to impact everything else mm-hmm. And, um, that's not true. That's way too predictable. Like we would be able to mathematically figure that out. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. a rat's nest. Totally. So if you pull on a thread out of a rat's nest, you have no idea where that thread is going to impact another part of the rat's nest. Cause it's just, it's so random. This is so, this is such a good point. Cause I, I went through this, especially doing so much like psychedelic work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I suppose, I could say the shadow side or the cautionary tale of that, if you know, is that you can pull on threads. Like once I figured out how to unlock trauma boxes within my own psyche, I just was like, bing, 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 bing. And, and I've been integrating that the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, uh, knocking out multiple 
trauma patterns in a single week, which is kind of what happens in the community, that takes years to integrate. Like one at a time. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of these days. <laughs> more let less is more totally. a lot of times. Yeah. Because yeah, when you start like pulling on several strings at the same time, you don't even know what impacted what. And a lot of times people tell stories like, I worked on this and then this happened. I'm like, maybe, you know, that's that's the meaning that you're making of that whole situation mm-hmm. after the fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the so going back to the money yeah. is like when we're working through a money pattern, you know, first thing I want to know is what kind of phrases are running through someone's head. I want to look at the cognitive piece because people are way more com- comfortable with the cognitive stuff than they are the emotional or the energetic mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to you calm can control the, the cognitive down. piece more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it's um it's less threatening to work with mm. when you start getting into like what's happening emotionally. That's that that can become more threatening. So um, there's a there's a concept that comes from internal family systems, which is uh, mm-hmm. you're familiar with. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's basically a, a, like a style uh, inside of psychology on how to how to work with people's psyche. And uh, one of the you have the uh, you have the exiled. There's three three major categories. So a person has a, there's a lot of parts to an individual, right? Mm-hmm. And the work is to see all the parts, accept all the parts, love all the parts, integrate all the parts and become, you know, a whole person. Um, Most people are fragmented. And so you have the exiled parts and then you have uh, the exiled parts. That's the parts that you that if they come up, they're going to cause problems. Right. And then you have the firefighters who come in and and like, you know, will cause damage in order just to put the exile back oh, yeah. in exile. And then you have the manager that is always on duty, <laughs> right? That's the one that's trying to control the world. I'm I'm trying to control my life, trying to control other people. So I've got this manager that's on duty 24 seven. It's like the super ego or something. That's yeah. Why I, the judge. So yeah. right. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. This is this is we're going like, to get into. I, I want you to continue the, the, on this thread. The, I'm just. It's hard to compare these different things because when you start talking about, there's a lot of in psychology. There's a lot of parts work. There's a lot of okay. like dividing, dividing, conquering, basically, or I call it dividing love. Mm-hmm. You know, dividing love the parts and however you split up the parts to integrate them. I don't think it matters too much. I think some will work better with some people. Just than a way others. to kind of like understand these pieces. Exactly. Yeah. So. The firefighter steps in if the manager fails. So, uh, or you know, something external environment, the manager doesn't know how to handle it, or the manager is asleep at the wheel for whatever reason, they're tired, whatever. Now the firefighter's got to come in. Usually the firefighter does something the manager doesn't like. <laughs> so, um, but they got to keep the, ex- both the firefighter and the manager are keeping the exiled exiled. And so mm-hmm. that's a part to yourself you don't want out. The shadow. The shadow. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. And so uh, we have to get permission from the manager and the firefighter before we can talk to the exiled. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, I think I just skipped. Uh, I think I just <laughs> skipped. I think I just skipped right over that. 
There's a book downstairs. Uh, okay. That gonna, Ashley's got. A- Ashley, I was doing a different version of parts work, and then she introduced me to this, and uh, it, it's. Uh, I consider it to be an upgrade from where I, I was coming from previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all makes sense, and so we have to get permission first. So part of that is, uh, I have to approach, say, a client. We're talking about money. We have to, I have to make their cognitive, their, a part of their psyche feel really safe. I got to make the firefighter and the manager feel really safe in order for us to actually get to the parts that are fucking shit up, right? So, um, the most of the, the manager stuff is it's all cognitive. So, we got to like, I like to start working on the cognitive stuff. Like, tell me about this. Okay, let's. Let's rearrange these words, you know. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And like and 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 the funny thing is is none of that shit's even that necessary. In, in at the end of the game, it's not even necessary. Like the only reason it's necessary is so that you can so it will it will allow mm. the the energetic part come up. And it takes um quite a bit of work. So, you know, um it, it really just comes down to hours. You know, and everybody can get there at different points in time. But if I'm working some with somebody for months, we're gonna have to log like hour after hour over over months and months and months to get them to a place where they feel safe enough to let the energy move the way it wants mm-hmm. to move. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could lock ourselves in a retreat scenario for five or six days and do and teach someone to tap into that how to how to put that manager and the firefighter aside and let the exiled come out and then deal with. Um, not deal with, but move through whatever emotional energy comes up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I don't even know what answer, what question I was trying to answer with that, but I hope it's well, you No, I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing aspect of, it's, it just feels like a continuation of, of just speaking about this money wound and actually getting, getting more, just getting more to the point. Like it feels much more accurate lens and framework and I'm, I'm super curious about this i want to i want to continue on this thread because what i'm hearing you say is that it's it's what i would say essentially is that the money issue is a symptom yeah so like when, when i'm going through a money issue i know that that's not the issue i know that that's a symptom it's a feedback of life showing me that hey i actually need to take a pause and address some deeper rooted issue psycho-emotionally, practically, just in how I'm operating my life, whatever it may be. And it always has a way of halting me. Yeah. It always has a way of stopping me, and I do end up going What deeper. stops you? Um, I'll use a recent situation, not talking too much about the situation, but I had a, a recent, like, money issue where just, like, it just stopped. Mm-hmm. And then, it like, something in me stopped. I right. couldn't move forward. Right. And then I had to figure out like, and, and what I mean by that is like, I couldn't move forward in order to just make more money. Like my energy stopped. Something in right. me just kind of stopped. And it was like, take a look at this. I just found myself like going on long walks around the park to just kind of like be with myself. Yeah. This makes me think about something I experienced recently, which is like a, an upper limit yeah. problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it, it hit me, uh, man, just a few weeks ago is I realized that I had sabotaged some things in my business because my relationship with my fiance was so fucking good. Oh, interesting. Like, it, like everything was so good. 
so uh, I had basically moved the chaotic energy away okay. from that relationship okay. and mm-hmm. placed it somewhere else. It's got to it's got to like get out somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And so it went into my business and. Part of it is, but that chaotic energy exists because I only deserve a certain amount, right, of happiness. Mm. And uh, uh. and so, like, having, having plenty of money is super nice. It allows all sorts of things to happen. But life was so fucking good. It's like I have the right relationship. Business mm. is good. Money is flowing. Holy shit. Like, everything's... But then, you know, I, some something comes up that says... Um, and I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll be transparent here and a little vulnerable. And it was, um, uh, like things around my ex-wife would pop up where it's like, you know, I, I don't even know where she's at psycho-emotionally, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't really, um, I don't talk to her enough and, and all that, but my imagination starts running around and saying, well, she's not happy it's like, well, should I be happy since, you know, that type of thing? And it's, and it's these little thoughts that pop up and then I fucking stuff them away, right? Mm-hmm. And when I do that, then that's going to that's gonna cause, that's going to wreak some havoc, right? So that's when the firefighter has to come in and do something that isn't actually good for the system. So I, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so just as an example, and I think that's different than what, maybe you're talking about uh, same same concept but like maybe different problem well no no this is exactly it mm-hmm. no what you just explained is exactly it because this is also something in my prior relationship that i'm tracking a particular situation or a number of situations that i also put to the side or i didn't want to see or think about and i didn't know how to deal with it and so i just i just stuffed it yeah. And so I'm what I'm seeing in my own life is the compression, the pressure that builds up in the subconscious or in the body, however you want to think of it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing from you is that it just it transferred over into this other part of your life because your relationship, your personal life, everything is so good that it has to it has to leak out somewhere. Yeah, some one part of my life needs to be hard. R- right. It's like my health is amazing, my relationship is amazing and e- both are easy. But, you know, you start off the show, health, wealth, relationships, spirituality. These are these are the topics you're covering. Mm -hmm. And health, wealth, relationships is like the the three big. Yeah. Right. They're the three big ones. And for all three of those plates to be spinning and and level and looking pretty, it's rare. And I think Mm. a, a big part of it is. There is a belief that's running in people's systems. There's a pattern that that something needs to be hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up with life is hard. Suck it up, right? And so if there's something happening in my life that challenges that that belief, then my psyche will sneakily run around in the background and create mm-hmm. a problem somewhere so that I, I proved to myself, I'm, I got to create more evidence. I'm actually creating the evidence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of that truth, not finding it, creating it. 
And then it feels like a discovery after the fact, right? It's how sneaky it gets. This is a this is like this is just like a therapy session right now. It's great. It's always when I drop in with you, it always feels like that. This is amazing. All right, so um, and that's how dopamine hoodwinks you. By the way, that's like I see it through the lenses uh-huh. of dopamine. I'm like, oh, that's that's crazy. Like you create the experience, then you you solve the puzzle, then you get the reward, and it's like, ta-da! Right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, the work for me is, you know, life is easy. I, I float through life with grace and ease. I float through business with grace and ease. My relationship is graceful and easy. My my body, I move with grace and ease. Mm. Uh, there is no disease. There is no unease. There is only ease. So, um, and a, a big part of that, well, let's let's do this. Like, what? Well, we will turn this into a therapy session. How about that? <laughs> what? I mean, what would money give you? What would you get from money? Like, you have yeah. that. You have that number in the bank that makes you feel good. Right. What's that actually give you? There's materially what comes up for me is that okay. So materially, it gives me safety, security. It gives me options. It gives me this thing called freedom, freedom to make choices, to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So that materially, but internally, emotionally and autonomically in my nervous system, it gives me a sense of safety, security, and peace. Yeah. Because that, because that is reflected externally. Okay. You said a lot of things, which I love. Um, what, what, um, what, what, the way that it came up for me in saying that is that the, the felt experience of safety and security and not to confuse and just for the audience, not to confuse what I'm saying is like money is my reason for it, but it's the external and the internal are a mirror. That's, that's how I totally, ex- yeah, totally. So, and, and you, you know, the number, I don't, you don't know the number. I don't. Okay. So how are you going to get there? Right. So the way you get there, this is, this is what we're, we're opening. We're, this is vulnerable. We're opening it wide open. Well, you're, um, we don't even have to know what number we don't really have to know the number. I mean, it, it, it's a fun step to play with. So, you know, for you know what my mind purposes. does, you know what my mind does. What's that? There is a number that would be like, wow. But then there's also this thought of like, oh, that's not enough, but I've never made that much money. So it's kind of, it's, it's like, um, okay. Well, well, more than like, what, what would make you feel like a get a warm fuzzy? Like, oh, that was in the bank. I would feel warm and fuzzy now. Ashley and I did this exercise a while back. I needed to know what her warm fuzzy number was. And she, I wanted to let her know what mine was. And it was good for us to know in a relationship because mm-hmm. her number's higher. Mm. So if I want her to feel good, then I get to make sure that we, we, build the structures to do that the number that comes up is like a hundred thousand as of just sitting in the bank right now yeah that number comes up and then and then there's the thought that like yeah but that's really not enough so what that tells me what that's telling me i think it's telling me is that i'm thinking too low something in me is aware that that's a huge limitation and yet I'm just kind of picking that number out of the cloud because if, because I mean, if it, that, if that were all the, the case, numbers are arbitrary, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm, there's certain numbers. Like I know, I know what my my monthly nut is, right? I got, I know what I got to knock down to maintain mm-hmm. this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I know what my, you know, I have my living expenses, I have my luxury expenses. It feels like it's like, yeah, when I'm, when I'm, what I'm, what I'm experiencing with this exercise is like, I don't have a relationship to numbers. That's actually what it feels like. I don't have a connection to numbers. I have a connection to like what it would feel like, but I, ha- I don't, I, the, the number itself, I have no connection to. Okay. That's great. Uh, so all those things you named off mm-hmm. in order for you to get the amount of money in your account, that's going to give you that you just need to go experience those things. Right. So how do you create safe? You, oh, I am safe. Oh, I am free. Like behave as someone who is moving through life with safety and freedom and security and all that. And then the money will show up. Right. Most people want the universe, right. God, to show up and hand it to them so that you know their their peace is conditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's uh, exactly what I. That's exactly so. I guess what I'm just just to conclude my little segue on this. Like what what when you say that I I know that because this is the work I've been doing. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like when I say a hundred k, it kind of just feels arbitrary because. There was a point where I had $60 like a month ago. Literally, yeah. I had $60 in cash and I'm walking around the park and I'm living off 20s a day and I was I was so content. I I just surrendered so much. I was so content. And then actually after that walk, I I was on the phone with a client and then there was uh $4,000 in my bank account. And I, it was just a random phone call and we had, and then it just kind of, it happened. But I remember I was just so content. And then, and then after they made the money and then like the attachment came back on. And then, so that, that was, you were no longer at peace. Interestingly enough, I wasn't not at peace, but it was, it was different. I wasn't what as was detached. Cause it was kind of like, it was a forced detachment. Like when I had almost <laughs> next to nothing, I, my only option was to completely it. just release and detach. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Just stress about it. Exactly. And then you get money and then what, what was your experience then? Like so many times when the money came in, I had absolutely no emotional connect, no emotional reaction. Nothing changed other than just like, oh, okay. It was literally just like, okay, great. There was no like, oh, I'm up, I'm down. It was like, you know, that's happened a lot of times Were for me. Were you grateful for it? Like I said, I literally had no... And I, I was so neutral. Well, it, make, it makes me wonder. I, this is... I know where you're going, yeah. and this is a good... This is actually a really <laughs> good piece, because I, I didn't... I didn't... I didn't have a sense of, like... I just felt... I actually felt like neutrality was the right thing, where now I'm looking back and thinking, why didn't you say a prayer? Why didn't why didn't you actually take that moment in as a celebration? Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. kind of was like, okay, cool, great, moving on. Yeah, um, do you know Jolie Don? I, I know who she is. Okay, okay, so uh, good friend of mine. Uh, she she likes to she teaches women about money, and she's pretty good at it. And one of the things she does, she has women uh, write a love letter to money, right? And the whole concept is money is something that we have a relationship to. Like we're relating to it. Just like we're relating to, like I I have a relationship with my truck too, you know, these inanimate objects or 
meaning, you know, it's the meaning we put on things. It's, it's how I'm relating to it. Mm. And mm. if your relationship with money is poor, so if like, uh, if, if money was your girlfriend, <laughs> right. would she want to come around? Would she call you? Mm. Are you calling her? Do you check on her? Um, are you grateful when she's around? Are you loving her when she's around? If you're not doing that, then why would she be there? A lot of times I don't even bother to check the numbers. Yeah. Not because I'm afraid or anything. I just, it's not, it's out of sight, out of mind. I know it's there, so I don't even bother to look at it. Yeah, you, you, you're, uh, you're neglecting. By the way, everyone, you all know that I'm not the business guru. <laughs> so we're just putting that all out there. <laughs> I mean, this is what's beautiful about being a podcaster is uh, we're we're uh, uh, leading learners. So totally. we it's like, look, I'm not coming here as the expert. I'm figuring this shit out too. Come along for the ride. Yeah, I've got enough. I'm willing to ask the questions and be curious enough and humble enough to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a great personal development tool. The, no, this is amazing. And I think this is, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is really good for everyone listening. Cause I don't think this is an isolated incident. Like no. I, I've, I've heard some of the things you're talking about, but I've never taken it really serious until this moment. It's really landing because I'm thinking about my relationship with women in my life and being, and I'm like, I am such a lover. I'm so committed when I'm in love, man, I am committed. I'm fully in, I am like, I am, I am like warrior war, you know, I, I am there and I'm just like, I'm listening to you. I'm thinking, so why, so what's the disconnect here? Like, cause I've heard that money is a feminine energy. If you want to use that language, the, the way that you're explaining it to me, I'm thinking of it as a woman. Well, yeah, I mean, enter, um, uh, you know, if you want to think about money as energy, mm-hmm. then I mean, energy is a feminine. I, I see it as a as a feminine thing. It's the masculine that directs the energy. Ah, uh, okay. right? that's a good yeah. Mm-hmm. So like electricity, the power mm-hmm. is 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 a woman, but the wire that makes it go from point A to point B that that's more of a a, a masculine trait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can think about it as a woman. So, you know, if you wanted to build a solid, lifelong relationship with a woman, what would that look like? And what's that look like if you apply that to money? So what, what does that look like for you? Um, I check my bank accounts, all of them, every morning. Every morning? Every morning. So I, I do a little bit of creative work first. Okay. Yeah, I let whatever juices are coming through. Mm-hmm. But usually by noon, I've checked every single bank account. I check my merchant processing accounts. Um, every single week, I go on a money date and I do my own books. Uh, I do. I I have QuickBooks for my business. I also have QuickBooks for my personal life. So that's all budgeted. It's all budgeted. Okay. Um, but I think what's important is the amount of the reason I've been able to. And I used to be terrible at budgeting and all this. And I'm still, you know, learning. It's really just time with the numbers. Time with the numbers, time with QuickBooks, time spent logging, mm. logged in to do it. And the thing is, if you log in and you don't know what to do, get a coach. Get Learn learn what to do. Like I did uh, Christina Weiss's uh, course, man, over a year and a half ago now, uh, initially. And there are so many really uh, 
that really set me up mm-hmm. to be able to that that's when I started doing my personal shit in QuickBooks in in addition to my business. And real eye opener. And it was just like I'm um I'm like a whiz in QuickBooks now. And it's something look, I, I'm like the the creative guy. I'm mm-hmm. not the one that's I, I understand tech pretty well. We were talking about that before the show, but I'm not somebody who I'm not bookkeeper personality type. That's yeah. not that's yeah. not my gift. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, I'm super comfortable getting into quick QuickBooks. I know what everything means. I can look at the report. I can see what's going on. I can, I can, I, I know if I'm going to, you know, I know that I'm running out of money before I run out of money. Uh, <laughs> most people don't know until it's too late. Yeah. Right. Like I, I'll know six months ahead of time. Like, oh, I need to, I need to shift something mm-hmm. or, you know, there's going to be, you know, we're going to have some problems here. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, yeah, just time and frequency, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you were to just spend a one full day once a week, that that lover wouldn't be one hundred percent wouldn't be happy either. It's, it's got to be a little yeah. bit every day. It's got to be a little bit every day at least. Or most days. So, quality yeah. time. Quality time. Quality that time. QT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so so going back to that piece when you asked me, how did I feel after that money came in in that moment? Yeah. And I think about so many moments that had, so there's been a, a similar theme or a similar cycle at particular moments. So, you know, this, I don't want to make this all about me, but I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm assuming, because we all come from f- dysfunctional backgrounds to some extent, not everyone, but yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to podcasts in general, such as personal development ones, then you're, there's problems you're trying to figure out in your life, right? Um, thinking about the upbringing I came from and the influences I had and there's been certain themes almost it's almost like at the level of the nervous system when you've grown up with dysfunction in a feeling of unsafeness whatever that may be order and organization and peace and safety feels unfamiliar so it's like you know what it is and you know that's what you're going for but it's like the the safety hedonic threshold i call it like the upper limit you get yeah. to a certain point where everything is actually good. There's consistency. There's momentum. It feels good. But then at some point, you're like, fuck it. Let me just throw a little monkey wrench in there and and you know, and then have to rebuild or something. I, yeah. I've noticed that cycle play out in terms of money, relationships too, but in terms of money. And I don't think I've ever sat with it long enough to look at the numbers, you know, to to not just address that i i understand the subconscious pattern that's why i can talk about it yeah but i haven't really sat with the the money piece like the the numbers the money and actually like spoke to the money i was was like oh it's just a glitch inside of you it's something in your subconscious patterning or programming it's some kind of mechanism that's that's gone astray that you have to go into the recesses of your mind to fix yeah um yeah, and there's another thing. Uh, there's something else I've been doing lately, which is uh, been listening to my uh, friend Boris. He found some really good uh, like money uh, affirmation tracks on YouTube. Oh, I'm super curious what you think about that. Um, you know, I think overall, I'd say 90% of what's in there is really this specific track is really good. There's about 10%, which I think is because I'm a language geek. I'm like, ah, that's not the best way to say it. You could be like, you could actually be programming the wrong thing. Okay. 
So actually, I was thinking about it's like a two and a half hour track. Um, there's a lot of repeating of statements, but I was thinking about handwriting each one. <laughs> it would take me all day, maybe maybe a week. Mm-hmm. Um, write out each one, and then you know what I could do is have someone else do that. I could have a <laughs> that's definitely for a VA uh-huh. to do. Or you know you could probably just take the recording and throw it inside of a audio and transcribe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but writing it down would also be really powerful. But editing out the parts where I'm like, eh, that phrase isn't quite mm-hmm. there. But this is what I've noticed. So I've been listening to it, and I've got enough. Uh, I got a good enough handle over my own mind to where mm-hmm. I can translate the meaning mm-hmm. into something that's more positive for myself. Mm-hmm. Because of what I'm every time we hear a word, a picture pops up in our mind, and so most of us are unconscious of the pictures that are, you know, that movie that's playing inside of our mm-hmm. head. Totally unconscious of it. Um, so, you know, uh, if I say, uh, Ronnie, your your wallet is overflowing with money. What do you mm. see? So like a river, like a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a waterfall. Yeah. So you, you saw something. Right. But if I if I say, Ronnie, you're broke, what do you see? Nothing, but I've, but I've all, but, but for context, I've also trained my mind in a, in a way that most people haven't just because my upbringing in martial arts, I've, I've trained my mind to be so, this is something I've noticed with me is that I don't know if it's, I just don't have a vivid imagine, like a, a visual imagination. Like I feel things, I see things, I get glimpses, but it's more like somatic. Yeah, but I, I I would I would argue that there's probably a picture running. You may you may have gotten oh, really just, good at ignoring oh, it, dude. You just okay. This is like okay. This is meant being really. In, this is like humble pie. Like we're in the dojo right now. Everyone, Ronnie Ronnie Landis is in the subconscious dojo right now with y'all. I just got it. It's a block. Yeah. There's a, there's a there's a there's some sort of there's some sort of mental block. Yeah. There's there's a wall there that you're not willing to go. That's near. what I'm seeing. And on the other side of the wall is the light dang because i because it's true i have trained my mind to like, avoid well yes and no because i've trained it's certain there's certain things that i've trained my mind to like focus and to go d- i've gone so deep into my own my own psyche and, and have developed a level of like focus that is really really you know Really, um, I don't want to use the word extreme, but it's 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 extremely You've gone pop- deep. I've gone extremely deep, but what I'm what I'm witnessing in this moment, and you're also correct, and I I, I, I never knew that. Yeah. Like so, when I close my eyes and you ask me what I see, I see I see kind of like it's dark. It's just like so. My my thought is like, oh, you're just neutral. Right. I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. But now I'm realizing like, well. Maybe that's because there's a block there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, like if I if I if I um, think the words I'm broke, I I see myself with a hurt back. Actually, mm. doesn't even have anything to do with money. It's like lower back pain, which is actually that part that that chakra system is is tied to finances and uh, feeling supported. Right. Mm. So if you're if, 
if you're feeling supported by the universe, then dang, this is yeah. And there's time, there's times where I had a I had a spontaneous back issue, mm-hmm. and there was always and it it was never when I was in surplus. There's a few times I can remember where there was spontaneous, it just like manifested. And yeah. for like a week, I'm going through this like contraction. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're having to create the evidence that you're not supported and it's showing up in the chakra system and throwing off your body. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> dang. So the, um, so this is this is why this is why I'm a, I'm very picky about music I listen to and lyrics. Sometimes people think I'm just fucking crazy, but I'm like, look, every single word creates a picture. Mm-hmm. There is a physical metaphor in space for every word. That's how consciousness works. And so, um, so I'm so going past. So a lot of times when I'm listening to these affirmations, which are fucking great. You know, it's got a little binaural beats going on and, you know, it's getting your subconscious mind and all that. And I'm having to like, I'm actively checking it. Right. And mm-hmm. one of the things I do is I'll repeat back verbally in my own, bring my own vibratory nature to it and yeah. to tune into that frequency. But if it, there's something comes across that I don't want in my frequency, I just skip it. And I just kind of go, eh, you know, swipe right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, it's been a while. Swipe love. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, the interesting thing is, anytime I'm putting my attention on something like, say, money, right? I'm putting my attention on reprogramming that. Uh, what ends up happening is all the shit in my life that is a block comes right to me. Right. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to do this, this audio where I'm going to reprogram my subconscious mind and then effortlessly and without any change in myself, you know, things will just automatically change. I won't really even notice it, which those kinds of things do happen. I've, I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, what ends up coming up is like, it's like, oh, I, um, I, oh, this is funny. This is really funny. So like the day after I started doing the affirmations. So I was doing the affirmations that morning. I go do yoga. I do the affirmations on my drive home. And then I uh, went to bed that night. I wake up at 2 a.m. And I can't fall back asleep. I wake up because I realized that I lied to Ashley like three months ago about something really small and silly. But – and I had – I was like, why – like even in the moment, I was like watching myself do it, and then it, it was it was a little small white light, mm-hmm. not a big deal, mm-hmm. and so I packed it away. Okay, yeah, and I just didn't think about it the last three months at all. Like never came up, never was an issue, ne- you know whatever. But one day after doing the affirmation, I wake up at two a.m. and it's the only thing I can think about for two hours as I lay in bed trying to go back to sleep. And I'm like, all right, well, I finally I drift off to sleep and I wake up. I'm thinking about it when I wake up in the morning and then I go to do yoga again. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm listening uh, to the untethered soul uh, and he's mm-hmm. talking about whatever he was talking about that day. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm afraid. Like, like I, I have to like confess to her that I lied. And because 
like if I want to be, I want to be happy. If I want to experience enlightenment, whatever the fuck, uh, <laughs> then I I have to do the thing that I'm afraid to do. Yeah. And the idea of yeah. admitting to her that I lied like makes me nervous, which means I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do it. And so I was like, well, now I have to do it, even if even if it doesn't change anything about the relationship. Right. Like it has to be done because I'm afraid of it. Mm. So. Um, because if I don't, there's gonna there's gonna be a fucking wall there, right? right? Until I do, so I um, so I come home and then she's in a meeting and I'm in a meeting and the hour the whole day I've got this energy in me and there's a little bit of anxiety and then you know when I decided I was gonna tell her a lot of that energy dissipated. Mm-hmm. I was like, but it wasn't gone. It didn't. I didn't move all the way through it. So I finally pull her aside and I tell her and she pretty much laughs about it. Not a big deal. She was surprised. She was like, that's not like you. I'm like, I know it's not like me. And I realized I was, I was actually being competitive with one of her friends. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'd like, I, it wasn't, it wasn't until that morning when I was journaling about it, I realized like my, like, like I was, I was like, oh wow. I didn't, it, it, it was a surprise that I was being competitive with one of her friends. I was like, oh, this really brought something up. I was like, mm. that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And I told her that too. I was like, yeah, I think it's because I'm really competitive with your friend. And, you know, I just wanted to like get your attention. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like competitive about her attention. It, it's right? her totally. Yeah, I get it. So that happened. Um, so I told her, I was like, all right, clear that out. And I, I hadn't put the pieces together at this point that this was tied to the affirmations. And then I, you know, that day I was listening to more affirmations. So like two more days of affirmations go by. And then, um, uh, I I wake up and I go, oh, I wake up and I can't stop thinking about how I, how my schedule has gotten so scattered. I need to sit down and I need to batch my work. And, uh, you know, I'm in a, I'm, I've been home for, you know, a month now without travel. It's like, it's like, oh, I can, I can actually get more organized. I can have more free time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I've been, I've been, I'm pretty good about having uh, enough free time for myself. I play a lot. But uh, I was like, oh, I could. And, I, and so I sit down and I start journaling about how I need to plan out my day. And then it just all came to me. It's like, okay, I need to do this on Mondays. I need to do this type of work on Tuesdays, this type of work on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. And I got it all mapped out. And there's plenty of space in there for me to enjoy myself and get everything done. And I'm like, wow, if I do this, I'm going to feel way better. Things are going to go smoother. I have more space. I'm like, ah, that was the fucking affirmations again. Mm-hmm. This is... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the process of putting my attention on on expanding myself in the realm of money, mm-hmm. and in order to do so, I have to I have to bust through some walls that yeah. have been put up. And going back to the rat's nest analogy, mm-hmm. that lie doesn't directly relate to money at all, right. but it does. Uh. But there's no way that I would be able to figure that out. But the, the I'm, I'm tapping into this energy, right? And then I, and then I get out of that energy and then I start noticing all the things that are not that energy, like the energy of abundance, right? right. So I'm like tapping right, right. into the energy of, of financial mm-hmm. abundance mm-hmm. and what's going to happen. All this stuff that's keeping me from being financially abundant is going to fucking show up. Yeah. And so yep. it's not the unicorn and mm-hmm. rainbow version that people want when they're like, Oh, I'm just, you know, 
if I think it, I believe it, it'll happen. You know, it's like, well, first well, of all, you don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's something we have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, not to digress. I'm not trying to, I'm just, no, throwing, no, I'm that's just good point. well, I just mean belief as in like, well, that's a whole other subject. Beliefs are finicky. There's a difference between believing and knowing. So yeah, there's, yeah, well, that, that's a different, I don't want to, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, so, uh, so anyways, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, if, you, if someone wants to grow in that area of their life, mm-hmm. they're going to have to do a bunch of uncomfortable shit because mm. they have been creating safety. Like that manager has been create, putting up all these walls to create safety, but it's really keeping you from getting to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you start doing the work, shit's going to pop up. So anyone listening, I just well, well, want to let y'all know that. This is, I mean, like this whole, this whole conversation, I mean, you know, cause you can see my reaction right now. I'm like literally <laughs> in meditation, at, contemplating all this. <clears throat> There's so many pieces and it, in, in it's, this is not scattered at all. Like I'm sure if I listen back to this, it'll be such a sequential flow. Um, and what I'm, what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm getting is that all of this is surrounding a particular energetic, right? So when you say abundance, prosperity, these kind of terms, these are not localized in the symbolic, in the symbol of money. Money is no. just something that we have identified as a form of exchange. We have a certain relationship with it, but this is everything in our life. For example, right? say for example, you're going through a breakup, Right. You have a deep bond with someone, but you're going for a breakup through whatever reason. You go through the stages of grief, and ultimately, you have to let something go in order for something new to come in. Now, now, if we think linearly, we might think, okay, well, that means if I have to let go of somebody, or some, if I want someone new to come in, a new relationship, I have to let go of the old person. Yes, but what I'm saying is that by holding on... And you may not even think you're holding on, but by holding on on some level, you're actually stopping the flow of of abundance coming into your life, and whether it's money or it's friendships or it's opportunities. So yeah, it's not like just hoarding, one thing. Hoarding money could stop the flow of money, right? Because it's not flowing out. Like what happens to a dam? Mm-hmm. You know, it uh, it may be holding a lot of water, but. It's not, it's not flowing. It's supposed to flow in and flow out. Which is also making me think of like, because it all is all energy and it is like, you know, like you said, it's like, it's a current, it's a, it's a river of energy. So I've noticed that, you know, the saying of like everything that happens, happens all at once. So right. one, so it's like, that's the analogy I'm trying to, I'm that's trying how to, I experience it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I think about abundance, I like to remind myself that. <sighs> the world is so abundant. I've got all the air I need to breathe. I've got all the water I need to drink. I've got all the food I need to eat. Mm-hmm. I've got a shelter over my head. And I imagine that anyone who's listening to this show, you've got the same shit. But that may not feel like abundance. Mm-hmm. And when you start shifting into abundance and recognizing that each breath is just this gift from the universe, it's like, oh, each dollar that comes in my bank account is a gift from the universe. Each this and this and this, and I have gratitude for all of it. And just having that the spirit of gratitude 
for the abundance and recognizing the abundance, you'll start seeing opportunities, right? You'll start seeing opportunities that you couldn't see before. Because when we're, if we're, we're not in the energy of abundance, if we're in the energy of scarcity, mm-hmm. then we go into the lizard brain. We become really uh, um, security minded. And when the, when the body is threatened, when, the, when a human, when we're experiencing threat, what we do is we fall back to our most reliable patterns. And so if you haven't stabilized the pattern of abundance and you slide into the pattern of scarcity that, mm-hmm. that then fires off the amygdala and now you're doing dumb things, mm-hmm. then uh, there's no way, way to get there. So uh, getting to a place of abundance, stabilizing that state and remaining in gratitude for everything um, is really the key. And I, I think, like, I think we've both seen this. We've probably both experienced this. I know I have, which is I'll have this spurt of abundance for like mm-hmm. a year. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh my mm-hmm. God. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I fall off the fucking horse or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, it's like, like complete I lose tank. my balance. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's going back to that whole upper limit thing. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it can only be like, I'm not comfortable feeling this good all the time. Is it, so that's how you experience it. What? Like what you're explaining. Like it feels like on some level it's, it's, um, it's a part of you that's just either not comfortable, doesn't feel like you deserve it, or or is it that you just are going so high that you can't handle it because it's a new level of growth? I mean, I think all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's it's um I imagine it's just fear. Okay. Fear in whatever way that shows up. I I uh think, start yeah. bumming up against it and then I get into more of a scarcity mindset. You see with people who make a lot of money and then they're, they never stop being afraid. Now they're afraid of losing it. Right. And they're, you know, that they never achieved the peace with money that they ever wanted. It's just not even there. Right. Yeah. Right. Man, this, this money conversation is so deep and it's almost like, I could keep going deep. I just feel like this, this, but it could be its own infinite rabbit hole, right? Just like almost anything. But this feels like, it feels like such a, I'm almost, I'm feeling like I'm having a healing experience. And I, I suspect for me, maybe some of you listening can, can relate. I've never, I never really tied this together, but I, I feel like for me, it has to do with, if I'm going to trace back, like I literally never had a father, right? So that, that's yeah. a pretty big archetypal like gap. Um, I never felt any wounding around it, but it was just like a missing piece. It was just, it just was what it was. So I never had, there was a certain developmental, um, there was something I didn't get that, that a boy would get from his father. Yeah. So, um, one of the frames that I've used, uh, over the years, which is, so your mother teaches you how to relate to yourself and your father teaches you how to relate to the world. And this still applies to people who didn't have a present father, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the reason is, is you, when you're born, you're inside your mother. You're basically the same person. You come out, got to cut the umbilical cord. But after the umbilical cord, you're at the breast. I mean, you are you are your mother and your mother is you. And, and your consciousness doesn't make any difference between the two. There's an mm. incredible bond there. So a lot of this – is, this is generally – this is, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? But generally, 
you learn how to care for yourself from your mother. So how does she care for herself? How does she care for you? And that's going to, that's going to inform you on how to do that, how to care for yourself. Now, your father is your, typically your first love, right? Or whatever father figure. Uh, You're saying there wasn't even a father figure. Like typically like in an ideal, like ideal is the right word. You would idealize your father. He would be your hero. Yeah. In an, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about ideal world. You come out, you see your father. He's the first person outside of yourself that you love. He's your first love. And daddy's little girl. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. And, but even for boys, we project that on. It's like father. our hero. That's your, your father is your hero. Well, he represents the world. He represents God. Wow. So yeah. anything that's not you mm-hmm. is, is your father teaches you how to relate to that. Anything outside of yourself, because he is the world. Your mom is you. And he holds and, the world. He yeah. holds safety in the world. Right. Yeah. And you don't just see him as a hero. He's He's God. Like he is a God. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he can't do anything wrong. He's the best man on the planet. Uh, that's how most that's a, yeah. That's yeah. how most kids, you know, and and we all get our heart broken at some mm-hmm. point. Some people get their heart broken way earlier than others, right? Yeah. You know, I I experienced that heartbreak probably uh I remember I was fifteen and my my uh my dad had cheated on my mom. Oh, and I, uh, I was like, huh? I was like, this dude, like my whole world shattered. And I actually started looking for other adult men to replace that. Replace, like, like, oh, they're, and I never found anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, basically had a, uh, it's called growing up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's <laughs> still, it's still wounding. Right. Definitely. Um, it does, it does impact the pattern. Uh, but for yourself, when when I talk to somebody whose father wasn't present, um, I imagine that for you, a lot of what you experience in the world is like God's not there for me, money's not there mm-hmm. for me. Anything outside of yourself is easy to feel neglected by. It's like, oh, the world is neglecting me. So then you start treating the world like it's neglecting you, and what's going to happen? You're going to create a bunch of evidence. Yeah. To yeah. prove that fact. I mean, I, I, I've coached so many clients where we get in a conversation and they're like, and they start rattling off a list of all the evidence. And it's, uh, I won't go into it here, but because it, it's different for each person, but yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of coaching that has to go into uh, helping them let go of all the evidence and see things, see that it, there's a, there's a, another possibility that's mm-hmm. present and then making that shift in that new possibility. That's that was so good. That was that that yeah. That that was that was really really a beautiful and feels like a deeply accurate reflection. Yeah, that that abandonment wound, right? Yeah. That abandonment trauma. It's it's literally like an attachment trauma. It's like the, so then then it goes up to that deeper level of like instead of the like biological father it becomes like the father. Like the alt, like you feel like alone in this world on some level. Yeah. And, um, for anyone that feels like that, I feel you, I get it. And, um, yeah. So, wow. What a, what a powerful therapy session this is. <laughs> so then in other words, what you're saying is that for me or anyone that might've had a similar type of journey, or maybe anyone that has any journey, the money issue is really just a reflection of a, how you feel about yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's twofold. It's like, uh-huh. it's like, how do you care for yourself? How do you care for yourself? Like okay. learning from your mother. Like how is she with money? How is your father with money? These, mm-hmm. these two things. But how, how you interpret how your mom was with money is different than how you interpret how your dad was with money. Mm. But if your dad was never present, then it's um I wish it were there were like predictable patterns, but I don't I haven't necessarily identified a very it's everyone it's kinda like that different. rat's nest, right? Mm-hmm. It's like like yeah. You know, it's gonna manifest differently for different people. And some people have different priorities on different things. So my priorities were just different. The things that I prioritized and I excelled at, I excelled because I, I poured myself into it. I didn't come out as like a great martial artist. I didn't actually excel as an athlete until like 16 into 17 and then like 18, 19, 19 into 20 into 22, 23. That's when I like really like completely morphed into uh, in, like a really excellent athlete. But I've been doing it all my life. I wonder like your what your relationship were to the instructors. Were they the father figures? That's, Did you project that's a, that onto them? That's a really interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, without going into a long, a long whole thing on that. Yeah, there, there was, there was a dynamic there for sure. Like with my, with my, my martial arts masters, my basketball coaches, my training partners. Yeah. Is there, is there one instructor or coach that stands out yeah. above all else? Yeah. So how did you experience him? Like if he were to embody like one type of thing, what would he be to you? What did he do for you? Man, there's two things in particular. In the beginning, he took me in. Uh So he took me in from the school that I was at where I had outgrown. And then he took me into this upgraded experience and this family. So there was like a family of martial artists that they took me into this nest yeah so what was he to you though like was he i mean he was my protector provider teacher my teacher my like what's the number one thing that he was to you there was yeah definitely a protector element for sure like he he wanted to protect me he wanted to groom me he wanted to kind of create a shield around me because he saw me and my potential so there was when when did uh when did you feel love from him like what was happening when you experienced the most amount of love Man, two things come up um, without like individual experiences. I felt so much love for him when he inducted me into becoming a, an instructor. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was a mass. That was like a transition from like just student into like not quite peer, but like into like a very select like inner circle family. That's when I felt yeah. like I became part of the family. The other part that I felt love from him is in when I, when we separated and, and he actually asked me to leave the school because of a situation and, you know, a conflict of interest, but the way that it happened, actually it kind of could have been taken as a betrayal. And there was some of that, but there was so much love there that it kind of, it was like, you know, like like grief, for example. Grief is a form of love because mm-hmm. you're grieving only because you love that which you no longer have access to. So it's kind of like there was a perception of betrayal, I'll say it that way, which led to a separation. And so I felt the love. I didn't know it back then. But when I look at it, I felt the love from him in the pain of that separation. Right. And, and who was he to the rest of the world in your eyes? 
to the rest of the world, he was a businessman. He was a you know martial arts school owner. Um, he might have been perceived as like God. I don't know. Just it's like man, it's like going bad. <laughs> but it's to, like getting really so, personal. This is like I I haven't thought about it in so long. So so very different. Yeah yeah. So you were experiencing him as sounds like instructor. As a but but as a teacher. As a teacher, but it was but it became more like he became not quite father, but was like an uncle. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is so like I experienced my father as a primary. There's a primary role that he played. He was the teacher. He was the teacher. He was the teacher. So my my dad was a teacher too. Yeah. So and I I suspected that. Yeah. <laughs> so like when I think about the my fondest moments with my dad, he was teaching me how to do shit. Yeah. Like he was teaching me how to do construction. He was teaching me how to work on the car. That's how he demonstrated love. He he, he likely dem- he demonstrated love in so many ways, but mm-hmm. that's how I received the love. Yeah. Right? That's how I was able to receive love from him. And what I now do is now who have you become? You become a teacher. I right. become a teacher. Right. Because that's how we express love, right? Right. We we love the world. We mm. love everybody. Mm. And so if we want to express love, what do we do? We start teaching. I don't know how many times I find myself at a party. Next thing I know, I've got like a group around me and I'm teaching them something, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, thanks for this free seminar. I'm like, yeah. But it's like, that's how I show love. But, yeah. you know, unconscious and conscious, these are two different things. Like yeah. I know when I'm doing it now. Uh-huh. I used to not. Uh-huh. I used to like just try to control rooms and place myself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's uh I, that's an unconscious pattern playing out. Sure. But when I think about like uh, your the 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 father figure that you ended up projecting onto is is now the teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't experience my dad owned his own business, but I didn't necessarily experience him as a provider mm. or as a businessman. I actually thought you know he wasn't he he wasn't really great at those things, mm-hmm. and so. And even though he provided for my family, like he was the, the sole breadwinner. Yeah. Um, even though he did those things, I didn't really perceive him as a provider or even a protector. Like he basically taught me how to fight myself when I was a kid and was like, yeah, go, you know, you, you and your brothers go take care of yourselves. Yeah. But like, um, but teacher for sure. And so um, it, it, I don't really like, I've never really looked up to people that had a lot of money. Likewise. I never, right. yeah, he had a lot of money. When I remember that was one of the things about him, like different cars and he was like a businessman. I never, that never, I, I had no care for any of totally. that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So there's, so it, it's not going to get your attention. You're like somebody who experienced their father as someone who is a provider and provided like a lot of material things will probably be someone who, puts a lot of attention on making money and providing for others. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's, um, there's, for me, it's like, okay, I just get to learn how to be better with money, even because my primary love language is teaching. Right. And to try to monetize that teaching, there could be something there that like, okay, now I'm mixing what I love and my, can love and money coexist? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most people, you know, the you know the love of money is the root of evil. Right. Right. Oh, you know that's that's a cultural 
uh, meme, mm-hmm. right? And it's a deeply ingrained one. Deeply ingrained one. Uh, you know, if there were evil uh, reptile people, wizard people, <laughs> <laughs> they would love for you to believe that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the it, it, it's like, no, love and money can coexist. They're totally different things. Mm-hmm. I, right. And... I can make money doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, right, bingo. How do we? How do we complete this? Oh, you tell me. You're the host. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I mean, I for a moment there, I completely forgot we're doing. <laughs> we're like doing my podcast. This has never happened on the the show before, so I hope everyone's like really getting a lot out of it. Um, yeah. So I mean, the main theme in this, there were a number of themes. The main theme is this unpacking, and like what I would look at as like a transmutation of our our mimetic relationship to money, like how we relate to money. And, and what, what programs, what belief systems, what potential trauma loops that we're playing out that really don't actually have anything to do with money, but are manifesting in money problems. And that could be, yeah, but I I don't want to open up another, another rabbit hole. I mean, I do, but I don't, um, (laughs) you know, but like, like what you said, I just want to like, I want to kind of wind down with something that you said around if you want the external representation of the feeling, safety, security, peace, if something outside of you represents that feeling, then you need to go to the feeling. And that to me in my process has been, and it's courageous to do this, by the way, it sounds so simple, but to actually apply it in real time, like you have to go against programs. And for me, what that looked like is I had to go broke in order to like, in order to take a complete week off with like a couple 20s in my pocket and to com- and to completely go against the program to like, OK, do this and make this happen. I'm like, there's nothing to make happen. Yeah, like, this is it. This is it. So we're just going to walk around a park. We're not even going to take our phone and we're just going to listen to God, which then I found out I'm actually just listening to my own thoughts. And I started having conversations with myself and then I started uh, solutionizing Problems that I didn't even realize were playing on in the back of my mind. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, that 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 part right there, I think, is like so important for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, go right into the feeling and... And, and, so let, and see what material comes see, up. See what comes up. Yeah, because, um, you know, as my, <clears throat> it's like people do Joe Dispenza meditations and all this stuff. And I did a I did five weeks straight of hour and 15 minute Joe Dispenza meditations back in 2016, 17, somewhere in there. And I got sick for two weeks at the end of the five weeks. Interesting. I got hit hard and I got hit with how I was experiencing envy and all this other, basically I ran smack dab into my blocks and I was resisting it so hard I got sick. So um, I laid in bed for, I didn't get out of bed much for like two, three days and I didn't watch any Netflix I didn't listen to any music. I sat in my dark bedroom by myself, mm. just being with whatever I was feeling, feeling like shit, and just watch. I was like, I knew, because mm. because I remember, I remember the 
like I hit like peak envy when I looked at my phone and someone had texted me something. I hit like peak envy and then like an hour later I was demolished. Wow. I was demolished. Wow. And so um but I hit that envy because I was doing the work. Right? That envy was running in the background unchecked. Mm. But then it fucking really came up hard because I was looking. I was I was doing the me- I was doing the meditations, I was doing the visualizations. I was I was tapping into the energy of a different pattern mm-hmm. than I was currently operating in. Like mm-hmm. it what I was pushing into was incompatible with my current system. Uh, uh-huh. So I broke the system. I broke it down. Um actually that was the beginning of like a huge transformation. So um so I say that just that it's again another example of doing the work and bumping it's it's going to doing the energetic shifts is going to give you material to work with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh a so, lot of people interpret that as a setback that's what i was going to get at yeah when it's actually the next level made that that's such an important context because even even I like when I bump into things, it's very hard to not take something as a setback because it feels like I'm being set back, and it totally. feels like I did something wrong. Well, yeah, you're 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 being you're you're dropping into some type of energetic trauma from childhood. Of course, it's going to feel like you're taking a step back. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, am I just looping? So we're just looping back and <laughs> forth, right? Well, stepping back would be avoiding. Stepping back would be avoiding. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're looping the same thing, then there's something that there's a there's a challenge that you haven't accepted yet. Uh, there's a, uh, there's uh, a feeling that you're avoiding uh-huh. going into and and going through that discovery process. There's there's a, there's a like a, there's a resistance. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. With no resistance. It flows right through. Resistance mm-hmm. causes loops. Last question. What, what is the best way that you've found to work through resistance? <sighs> Probably different in different situations. It is. Um, you know, I, I wish I had mastered this thing to where like, oh, I feel the resistance in my body and I let it go. Woo. Yeah. Uh, I do think that's possible. I do. But uh, I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, what I do... <laughs> <laughs> Is whatever the resistance is manifests as fear. So I have resistance to something. I don't want to do it. Why? I have to ask myself, why don't I want to do that thing? Mm -hmm. And I may not actually figure out why I don't want to do it, Mm -hmm. but then I got to do it. As long as it's not putting me in physical harm or, you know, there, you know, I don't do it. It's like writing the email or the proposal or that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, asking for the sale. You know, how many people. You know, there's coaches listening to this, mm. you know, you go to sell and the conversation's great until it's time to ask for the money. Yeah. And then, right. and then you don't actually follow, you don't say, you don't say what you know you should say. You're not following the script that you were taught. Mm-hmm. You revert back to, you know, your five-year-old self that was first made uncomfortable with money. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you kind of stumble around. You, mm-hmm. You're indirect. Uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, you failed the test, right? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, like you're going to go into a loop because of that. Right. Like, when I say, you know, failing the test, that's just learning, right? Like, 
oh, you should take note of that. I was like, okay, I'm going to stick to the script next time. So like getting through that fear and working through it is sticking to the fucking script. Mm -hmm. Okay. I saw a sales coach. He taught me how to do this. This is how I'm supposed to close. It doesn't feel good. I'm going to do it a different way. It's like, oh, and you got poor results. Interesting. So now it's like, no, I'm going to stick to the fucking script. I don't care how uncomfortable it feels. It doesn't feel like me. That's okay. Yeah. And then, and then see what happens. Right. Yeah. Give give the, give enough time for the pattern to change. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and the, I, I say give enough when you're, when you're working to step into a new energy, mm. recognize when something's incompatible with the new frequency you're trying to pull in. Damn it. This is just like, just thinking like relationship, like relationship is almost perfect. It's going so good and there's so much chemistry and and like the love and the whole thing right but then at some point it all just falls apart and that's what came up for me just that example i mean obviously i've been through this but just that example what you just said just really landed for me because then there's like the story and the longing and the whole thing we go through and going back and forth but then it's like well maybe that's exactly what need to happen because it's no longer compatible or the form of the relationship is no longer compatible for the energy that's trying to emerge. Right. It's incompatible. Wrong program. Needs an update. And that and that so that switch right there is so key. I mean, I hope everyone listening to this is 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 picking up on it as much as I am. Like that right there just shifted like any kind of story or burden. Because we carry these we carry burdens in the form of stories and they create emotional impacts in our, our experience, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm getting from all of this is like talking about the blocks, the barriers, and the disconnects inside of us that are keeping us from experiencing life the way that we want to. Yeah. Absolutely. Dang. <laughs> Dang. I didn't I had no idea where this was gonna happen. Well, this is another sign of God's grace in my life and the infinite support that keeps showing up in my life to give me exactly what I need when I need it in very powerful ways. And this moment in the form of my dear brother, Michael Bledsoe, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. um, Where can everybody find you? Oh, wow. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Mike underscore Bledsoe. I have a podcast called The Bledsoe Show. You can find it just about anywhere podcasts are posted. And I'm launching a new website. I I got two new websites. One is uh, schoolfortheliving.com, which is uh, a really cool program putting together. I'm still figuring out how to message it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you enjoy this conversation, I think you might like it. And uh, my fiance and I will be launching howtoeatmushrooms.com here wow. in the next month. So probably when this podcast is up, okay. I'll have something on that site. So that's a resource <laughs> okay. for people that are interested in psychedelic mushrooms. Mostly because I see that most most people don't do it optimally. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. Know? But uh, yeah, we're going to put together a resource for them. Okay. That Yeah. Keep me updated <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate it, brother. Love you. Love you.